एक मिनट रुक जाओ रेडी होने दो चलो ये कर लेते हैं अक्षय हाय दिस इज सौरभ एंड यू आर लिसनिंग टू द फाउंडर थीसिस पॉडकास्ट वी मीट सम ऑफ द मोस्ट सेलिब्रेटेड सार्ट ऑफ फाउंडर्स इन द कंट्री एंड वी वॉन्ट टू लर्न हाउ टू बिल्ड यूनिकॉर्न Hi I'm Rahul Garg I'm founder and CEO for Moglex uh, we are India's largest and fastest growing B2B e-commerce company Many of you would have heard of the so-called PayPal mafia which includes famous people like Elon Musk Reid Hoffman and others who were a part of PayPal and went on to build their own blockbuster startups Lesser known is the Google mafia which includes people like Sheryl Sandberg of Facebook, Kevin Systrom of Instagram and our guest today Rahul Garg, the founder of Moglix. Moglix was born out of a deep insight that Rahul got while working at Google that the world will shift from discovery platforms like Google to transaction platforms like Amazon and he took a bet on this idea, quit Google and build a B2B transaction platform Moglix that is today among the top platforms used by manufacturing businesses for their procurements listen to this insightful conversation between Akshay Dutt and Rahul Garg on building and scaling a B2B platform sustainably uh, what was your ambition when you were in IIT like did you uh, want to follow the typical route of uh, IIT and then going abroad or like iit iim or you know like what was the plan so i think it is interesting because uh, pretty much my plan uh, i i had not thought of a plan what do i do next i mean i was like i want to be an engineer and i want to be the best engineer and now i am at iit and i got to uh, sort of learn what i can learn but uh, uh and go about it and see how it comes so so I wasn't, like if someone was to ask me a question what will you do 10 years 20 years out i would be like yeah i'm becoming an engineer i'll build some products and technology that's that's what i knew uh, um and uh, yes i think uh, somewhat growing up i think there was also the strong feel that i want to do it from india so i think um uh that uh, uh, that we can build some of the best technology from india and uh, want to create that brand out of india so i think uh, that's how my iit entire four years was about learning sort of fooling around a little bit but uh, but it was pretty exciting four years that we spent there hmm and uh, you eventually joined ethium uh, and uh, i think so you had like about a 8 year stint total uh, most of it was in uh, this only like in wireless technology like after that you joined freescale and then uh, connexent yes so most of it was wireless and wireline technology so i worked on uh, 4g uh, cell phone chipsets uh, freescale was kind of the motorola Uh, in fact again many of the technologies are still coming into the market what i worked on uh connectent was into the dsl so all the broadband routers you see at home i mean i think back in the days 70% of the broadband dsl routers were powered by connectent uh, connectent chipsets so so imagine uh in your house whether it is um, the dsl line bringing the broadband to your home or whether you are watching a satellite receiver or whether you are looking at wireless lan all of those technologies i had a opportunity to dabble with and uh, really no uh, uh, sometimes what we take uh, or assume as pervasive there's so much of engineering go which goes behind making some of these products successful and uh, and the impact it has on consumer and uh, businesses uh, yeah. so i think there was uh, so at 30 i was like having filed 16 patents many of them uh, 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 sort of uh, were still in process most of them uh, got approved um, in the last few years uh, had worked on pretty much all forms of wireless communication that touch daily lives in phenomenal companies uh, because uh, and uh, 
and i felt that uh, i had reached a reasonable amount of i would say uh, heights in terms of what uh, one could achieve in india uh, as a designer uh, in the wireless communication um, and multiple opportunities in between of uh, relocating to us and companies sort of coming uh, to me both us and japan on, and uh, that sort of love of engineering and i would say somewhere that very strong connect to the country that i want to do it from india uh, remained uh, remained with me which which continue to make me stay in india okay so why did you decide to like take a year off and do an mba so it was interesting so in the 8 years of my journey i had one failed attempt at doing a startup and i think uh if you look back i think 2006 2007 i mean very early days of startup ecosystem right so not uh, i i don't think there were a term like angel investors or mentors or so on so forth and probably today it has become a uh, one it is there are a lot of them available and many of them actually uh, being decent who are able to guide uh, you if you are a 25 26 year old uh, trying to do a startup and um, and i think uh, one of the reasons i felt it uh, we could not what was out. this startup about that you tried it was still in the area of wireless uh, uh, communication only uh, very early days of looking at how we can apply some of those into defense technology and uh, we felt there were the where the consumer world had gone to versus where defense was i think we felt there were a lot of applications that we could be working on uh, and uh, uh i think one of the reasons i felt we couldn't sort of get to do it properly one obviously ecosystem was where it was but second thing i think we didn't understand this black box of what does sales and marketing mean and for me i felt uh, i understood the innovation side building products but i said like i uh, i want to figure out what is this uh, chidiya so to say of sales and marketing because it seems like Uh, that is like super difficult and uh, and we have to if i have to become an entrepreneur uh, this is something i will have to learn uh, now and uh, seems like mba is a way to learn this so <laughs> okay so uh, you had like a pretty long stint of 5 years at google so uh, when you were reaching the end of the stint did you like start thinking of moglex the idea and uh, working on it or did you decide that i want to be an entrepreneur and uh, quit google and then think of the idea uh, so interestingly i mean since um, i mean again the entrepreneurship kida does not go away if you want to be an entrepreneur and if that's what you sort of aspire towards i think you'll do that uh, attempts at it in fact one of my attempts was also at isb to try and become an entrepreneur <laughs> i mean that why i was pretty passionate about analytics i was trying to do something in marketing analytics because uh marketing is something that i was trying to learn and analytics and data was something i really sort of enjoyed dabbling with um uh so so multiple i think attempts but i think um, uh, in my fifth year at google i decided that uh, So these attempts did not work out because they were on the side. You think that's the reason? So they, Or... they, yes, they were not full time because I had not quit. Um, I mean, at ISB technically, uh, they are not on the side. But uh, for whatever reasons, they did not sort of pan out into a full time gig and then playing it out. So I think um, when I had decided uh, in the Google journey that I am going to go and do this, I said like I am going to quit first. So I actually quit. Uh, Uh, and uh, put in my papers that i'm going to go back uh, to delhi and i'm going to start a venture i mean there were three four things that i was excited about as a space i i typically look at space i don't look at a specific idea because i think uh, ideas you can sort of uh, sometimes they become irrelevant and sometimes you have to pivot out and things like that so you have to be really committing to a space and um, then find the best opportunities within the space so i think uh, for me b2b uh, among the top 3 that i had selected at that point in time over the next 2 to 3 months it became the space that i want to go for um, so why why did you finalize that like what were the 
indicators which made you bullish on it no so i think there were i mean few factors which kind of uh, see when you are committing to a space you are looking at 10 year horizons i mean for me at least that was how i was thinking about it and you're like you can't be opportunistic about it and you can't be sort of playing to the wave that it's something that is the flavor of the season and therefore i'm going to play to it and kind of a thing so i think uh, i was always looking at it a little bit uh, far ahead i think i also come from a school of thought that uh, uh, basically i'm more in- inspired or excited about large problems which are difficult to solve uh because i don't think uh, of the world as too many large problems which are easy to solve uh or probably there are too many people who can do it so i think large problems which are slightly more difficult to solve is something that excites me because i think uh that's what i was uh, that's what i've been trained to do i mean like the first 8 years of my career i was solving and in many of those instances i mean we worked around to create the best algorithms creating our own patents and sort of making sure that we are able to create world class systems to the 99.9% accuracy levels right so so i felt uh, it was important to pick a space which is large uh, i had brief exposures to alibaba working on the china strategy uh, uh, at google we made some attempts also of uh, sort of trying to beat alibaba and uh, i think there is one among one of the failed experiments probably a smaller failed experiment at google i think there are many large failed attempts at google one of that was google launched google for business in 20 uh 13 i guess uh, um and so uh, this was like a marketplace where businesses could list yes it was a marketplace where in the google dna there was it wasn't a fulfillment platform it was like the search and classifieds platform where people could go and search instead of going to alibaba i mean that like uh, india mart like india mart i would say uh, india mart is more content i would say india mart creates unique content for itself does it i mean google in its own platform approach was trying to do it far more light touch uh, than what india mart would look like or than what alibaba would look like right and uh, one of those sort of half half hearted attempts so i think so i for me the the space was pretty large i think i felt also that um, my own view of the world was that everything in the world will move away from discovery to transaction platforms and uh, and uh, that that is bound to happen for b2b what has happened for b2c and i think that macro sort of very very strong belief that i want to sort of champion figure it out do it and it's not a easy problem so i think that made me gravitate i mean some amount of sort of uh, the love for manuf- manufacturing helped in that sense because yeah you you kind of uh, love to walk into manufacturing uh, plants and talk to people and things like that and uh, if if those are the industries you are impacting that's something uh you really like to uh, work upon uh, because other thing which is important for me i think creating an enterprise is about the creating the size of impact and i think uh, uh i felt given it's the largest sector in the country i mean even a 10% impact on the sector can be phenomenal for the country and uh, those are things that excite me and uh, i think uh, and that sort of yeah and things then happen uh, uh, we started in a manufacturing plant i mean like a very very small manufacturing plant we started in a manufacturing plant so uh, like in uh, 2015 beginning of 2015 you quit google and you came back to india uh, like did you immediately uh, finalize on it or like you know and did the funding happen before you actually started implementing or did you first implement and then go out and look for funding like like tell me from the timeline like how it progressed once you quit so it's very interesting so i think for whatever reason i think god has been kind and some of the people that i worked with have been extremely generous so i actually put in my papers in july of 2014 and my boss told me like there is only one rule for me accepting your resignation one 
you can all you cannot join any other company <laughs> you, <laughs> your only option why you are being allowed to join and move out is <laughs> that you are going to start on your own <laughs> and the second condition was i don't care about the time because anyways i will take a year to hire a replacement which actually he took a year to hire hire my replacement he said like uh, you know all the tricks you know how to get things done you keep working at it and uh, 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 whenever you want to sort of uh, uh, call it uh, the day i think uh, that's fine so i uh, and since uh, So he give you a free hand that you start working on your idea, but don't quit until you are like. Uh, is it like this is this is the, this is yeah this is something that I am keeping and you just like figure out and we'll 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 figure out when you want to sort of uh, leave. So uh, yeah, I made all the I think the six months. So actually, technically, I quit on December thirty first, twenty fourteen. So I think I had that luxury of a six month period. where i could spend like my saturdays and sundays and some amount of evenings uh, kind of figuring out building on which is the space i want to select and shortlist uh, talk to and you were in singapore at that time i like, was in between uh, singapore and india i moved to india in end of october uh, uh, but uh, so but is that why moglix is registered in singapore Yes, that is one of the reasons. I think uh, not the only reason. I mean, the get go, the ambition has been to build a global company, and I felt uh, Singapore was a fantastic hub to kind of create the whole co uh, to build a global company. So, uh, so yeah, the company was registered in Jan of twenty fifteen, and uh, and since I was working on this idea, I I mean, I knew a few people within the venture ecosystem. If you spent fifteen years, probably. and working um, uh, pretty much at the heart of technology and innovation uh, so every startup in that tech space would be my partner for example um, and when i quit i mean it was like a very obvious thing that are you pursuing anything in advertising tech martech whatever the alphabets look like and if yes uh, please take uh, potentially money from us because uh, the level of knowledge inside that you may have about the industry or where it is going um, anyways some of us are coming to you ad- for advice which company i should write a check so <laughs> uh, but uh, but in that pursuit i anyways for me the decision of what do you pursue is not based on the past because it's based on what do you think uh, for the future what makes sense so i ended up pursuing this i think um, again somewhat lucky i think i i did found um, early investors in by march 15 march i think uh, we found investors who were willing to take a punt on the space and what uh, that i was pursuing it so so we were able to raise the first uh, kind of check but i also found that pretty much every single sort of leader that i have worked with or worked for i think was so generous and supportive of uh, and the fact that i'm pursuing so my google boss i mean like uh, many of those uh, guys ended up putting check as well but we raised the first round as a institutional round um with few of the angels we never went through the classical uh, pure friends and family angel family kind of thing hmm. Mm-hmm. Okay. So March, when you got the funding, uh, what was the uh, the I mean, by that time, what was the uh, implementation like of the idea of Moglix? I mean, it was three people, and we we had a PPT. I mean, <laughs> that was pretty much it. Um, and there is the 15 years of working hard and building stuff <laughs> behind us <laughs> so uh, three who were the other two so early leadership team i built out um, uh, so um, i started to hire i think probably from march and uh, building some of the early team members so 2015 uh, i ended up bringing six more people as part of the leadership team combined a sort of business leadership um, uh, technology so on and so forth hmm. Hmm, hmm, hmm. so how did you go about uh, prioritizing that what to build and you know like did you for example say okay let's get supply in first or let's 
build a good online marketplace first or you know like tell me about that product evolution see when we are so early uh, in the market and uh, uh, figuring out what is the right way to build i think there is no templates of building it out and i think for me that works well when there are no templates because uh, uh because we have to think on first principles and uh, mm-hmm. if you are creating marketplaces of products to sell i think uh, you do need to create basic supply before you can go out to the buyers and uh, start to sell so i think you have to build some of these things in tandem but um, which means we were building software we were building um some of our supply catalog uh, many of these elements and as we continue to build that out we launched our first alpha in like july of 15 uh, which was like literally maybe 3000 skus uh, and just like a bare minimum website which could actually take some orders Hmm. and uh, how did you get these skus like did you was it an inventory led model or a marketplace model no it was marketplace uh, at that point so we were sort of uh, not taking inventory we had built a supply ecosystem of industrials um, and uh, we had just started to sort of understand how the suppliers are looking at selling their products we have started to talk to the buyers and customers understanding uh how do they buy what do they look for in that process of buying uh understanding what will make sense uh, for many of them to uh, come online or what will be some of the hurdles for those guys would face while uh, uh they start to look at uh, the products being bought online or how have they done over the last 30 40 years so on so forth hmm. Hmm. and what categories did you choose i mean there were i mean there was no sort of like a real answer for it so we just went out building 10 categories so it was just more broad based looking at uh, various uh, electricals and tools and we built up fasteners uh, Uh, things like that um and i would say we were still i mean we we knew how to analyze many of the search data and other trick of the online so so we were doing that continuous research of understanding what are the consumers looking for and what are the business looking for and uh, continuing to build products uh, into the catalog based on some of those i would say imperfect signs uh that we could build out hmm. and uh, like were you also handling transport like when you launched as yeah, a marketplace yeah, yeah, yeah. so we we okay. took the responsibility of the entire delivery right so i mean we were partnering i mean we we didn't had a large fleet per se uh, at that point in time uh, early on but we said like uh, it is our responsibility to deliver the end product so so we have to stitch the entire thing together uh, as a uh, customer delivery experience and these many of the products that we were selling i mean like probably nobody had ever bought them online before so uh, so it was like unique experiences that these products could be possibly available online right so because there were no precedents i remember us shipping like a 50 kg machine to somebody in jammu and kashmir and it was like why the hell this guy bought online uh, this product we we were just experimenting and cataloging this product not even sure whether somebody will actually buy it and the guy bought it <laughs> there, there was like a latent demand for it which you were able to tap yeah absolutely i mean see india mart was there so i think there were definitely some people searching for these products online and trying to connect to the suppliers we just didn't know how many of them will actually start transacting because that demand of these products was always there right the question was how much of it is offline to online and whatever the online demand is there is that really 
about uh, discovery of suppliers or are they ready to start transacting on the platform hmm hmm so what was the first year like like you know first april 2015 uh, till 31st march 2016 like what kind of top line did you do in that year and what what were the things that worked for you i think we were very very small because technically i mean like our software product was still so early so i don't think we really looked at the revenue number it was like probably a couple of crores uh, we did in that year and uh, our next product launch was like march april of uh, 16 i mean we continued to learn experiment build some of the early customers and how did you uh, build trust like you know transaction needs trust so you know how did you like build that trust and get customers to actually give you money up front i assume it would be up front right um i mean we offered all kinds of means of like the prepaid and cash on delivery and some of those things so uh so we had to do that because i think um, people would not absolutely give you entire money prepaid and that's the problem still in india right because in india is a little bit trust deficit economy um and uh, i would also think there are uh, there are obviously uh certain percentage of customers who are also experimenting still uh, so so we, you don't even know whether that's a true demand or are they just experimenting or uh, and that's a problem broadly in it because it's been created by the b2c ecosystem of uh, the return behavior and various things uh, that is still i think going to take another 3 to 5 years for india to mature as a country uh, that people move away from experimenting to actually taking online as as the most credible platform for buying products but in in that early period like how did you get customers was it like google adwords and uh, you know if someone searches for fasteners and moglex comes there uh, was that the approach or were you like uh, had a like a offline sales team approach or um we early on we were doing lot of the online hacks as well uh because we wanted to understand the customer behavior online as we started to talk to the large manufacturing houses we realized that we would need some kind of enterprise sales organization so we started to build in 2016 our enterprise sales organization and which was like pretty much one guy and me that was our enterprise sales organization and we would go and start to talk to the manufacturing companies and understand how they will transform their buying to go from uh, um kind of whatever offline approach of sms whatsapp uh, email phone that they are doing towards uh, online based behavior and uh, i think 2016 that way was a very interesting year because we realized that we will have to go with a a combination of uh, capturing some of the demand that happens online using a online platform which you see today also on moglex.com but we will have to go out and build a uh, sales force which will work with large companies because they're really looking for people who can understand uh, their requirements a little bit better and kind of teach and educate them so that they can uh, move or transition from uh, offline to online journey so i think we realize that and i think uh, uh over a period of 2016 2017 this became a uh dominant channel because large companies with their own processes of sap and other systems i mean they would struggle with how do they start to buy uh, uh online directly so we would work with them very closely on uh make sure we are able to make that transition easier for them you would integrate into their erps so that the uh, procurement is like single click procurement for them yeah we would do multiple things i mean all people india is one of those heterogeneous market that there is uh, uh, people have different processes different erp systems different behaviors different configurations of their own manufacturing plants different configurations of how their procurement organization is so on so we would uh, we would have created 5 to 10 different unique ways of how organization will get transformed into 
the next generation kind of procurement and uh, technology led uh, procurement organization and i think this is still work in progress i mean all of us combined together are less than 1% i think of uh, the overall market so i think it's only next 5 years or 10 years is when india will uh, probably in 5 years india should get there of really a technology first uh, country uh, um, where because we see india has a very unique behavior that uh, there are very few early adopters typically in a country and once you cross that early adopter curve everyone just wants to use it right so um and then the power of population and all of those uh, kind of kicks in uh, because the first i mean in consumer company probably first million customers are difficult but then suddenly you have 100 million and uh, that's going to be to be as well that you uh, you you have to really sort of work with the first 100 customers tell them why this makes sense how they should think about it how they should go about it and then the next 10000 people just want to sort of come on it and are okay to learn from you versus sort of have uh, too much of their own uh, age old biases hmm 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 okay so you said in 16 you launched your uh, second product what was that so we call it as enterprise uh, so uh, we call it large enterprise buyers tunnel so uh, it's a uh, saas platform which enables uh, the large enterprises who wants to work with moglex to go about deeply sort of working and enabling them uh, of on both their business process as well as the commerce engine uh, that we support as a company okay okay and uh, how did uh, gst uh, affect your business plans your business model and you know like what was the impact of that uh gst was i think very interesting because um, firstly pre gst i think uh, uh um, dealing with large enterprises we had to do excise vat and all of that was happening by state and and it was a nightmare to kind of do it in that manner because uh, for every state you have to kind of go and knock on the state doors and they each one of them will have different policies of, of what needs to be done and things like that and uh, i think it was like a shit show uh, of what what it was uh, pre gst and um, i think gst completely transformed both i think our ability to build national b2b supply chain second our ability to kind of scale rapidly so i think we took our first our first 100 cr run rate we took almost like what two years plus to get there and the next one happened in six months so you could suddenly feel that uh, the amount of game change that was being introduced by gst was phenomenal and i think it was one of those sort of inflection points for a value that you are building but then there are sort of this unlock that has to happen for you to be able to scale as a organization mm-hmm. okay so uh, tell me about getting funded by ratan tata how did that come about i think uh, it's a very interesting thing because when i started and i think uh, i didn't speak about this much but when i i mean all my previous failed attempts at startup were with co-founders and one of those reasons that i attributed mentally was ki many of them got cold feet and when we were supposed to exit together they didn't sort of do that sort of didn't so when i started moglis i was very clear that i want to uh, just do it based on uh, what i want to pursue and i want to go on my path of pursuit rather than dependent on others and i think uh, hoping and believing that if i do good work then other people will come out and support and i think that's that's how our journey has been that uh, we have had we have found sort of help support from directions pretty much everyone i have known my entire professional and uh careers and people i've known everyone has been out there supporting us in whatever forms of uh, 
the connection so we so we we, we got fortunately connected and got an opportunity uh, to present to him for 45 minutes and i just latched on to it and um, we presented for 45 minutes i think that is one of those best experiences this happened uh, late of 2015 so i think um, hmm. what do you remember about that experience what was he like uh so i think the key thing that i remember is that uh, obviously uh, in my uh, sort of uh, professional uh, uh, life i mean the people that i've always looked up to uh, kind of fall under two three buckets i mean i firstly i mean early days of my life i think i pretty much look up to all innovators in the world i mean that that is always like whether it is what bill gates has done steve jobs has done anybody who's loved for science technology and has done phenomenal i think those are the people i i would admire the most edison for building stuff and so that kind of thing but then i think over a period of time i built a growing appreciation for people who have made a large impact and rnt was like one of those figures for me uh, rnt and nandan continues to remain uh, those figures for me uh, of people who have gone and done it and i think uh, meeting him was like a very interesting because you you kind of are getting the goosebumps but uh, you also meet a person who is like extremely humble and sort of listening to you is uh, not like the typical savvy uh, google cxos who will have uh, alpha energy of interrupting you or uh, sort of overpowering the conversation any of that stuff right he he's patiently listening to what you're trying to do is kind of trying to nudge and uh, in his own curiosity why are you doing this or how you are thinking about this element uh, versus the others and uh, uh, and uh, and he's as curious as you are i mean like as an entrepreneur in early days you are curious about learning about the stuff and he's curious about learning that from you so i think uh, creates a very interesting and you you never feel or at least he makes all of his attempts or or probably the way he is as a person that he will not make you uncomfortable in any shape or form or um and i think that that was a, uh, a very very interesting experience and i was like literally we were dying that will he invest i mean uh, i mean and we, we, we and we said like it doesn't matter if he invests uh, but uh, does he really believe in what we are doing and uh, and i think uh, yeah i mean i think we we got the confirmation in maybe a day or two that is uh, willing to sort of support a small check and uh, i think that is like we were on top of the world i mean uh, his uh, my picture with him continues to sort of remain one of those uh, fantastic memories i mean we met him twice after that but uh, uh but yeah that first one is always leaves an impression and um, uh, so why do you think he invested like was it he was bullish about the sector or did you impress him as a person or you know what do you think i see at his stature and he's a man of few words i think so uh, so you'll never <laughs> for many of these figures i mean you can't really sort of you can create hypothetical uh beliefs of what they are thinking but i think um, it's unfair to say that uh, what exactly made him invest i think uh, the only two things that uh, his love for technology his love for manufacturing and uh, were definitely something that i feel uh, so we felt like i mean we were taking all the box anyways that he if there is one startup he should invest uh, it should be us because we were having the two things he loved the most uh, and there were not that many people who had both technology and manufacturing in the single sentence uh, and even now i think uh, with the way we go about and doing stuff so um, so yeah so can you uh, help our listeners to understand uh, the uh, landscape of b2b e-commerce startups you know so like there is india mart and there is uran and uh, at one point of time there were these companies like industry wang i don't know if they are still prominent players or not so like uh, where is moglex in this broad landscape and you know can you just like 
paint a picture of that see i think there are two dimensions to the b2b e-commerce landscape i mean one dimension is are you a discovery platform or are you a transaction platform and i think india mart clearly falls under the bucket of discovery platforms which is like google is a discovery platform india mart is a discovery platform alibaba is a discovery platform so i think that's the first i've always believed that i want to build a transaction platform so i think first i'm in that bucket second i think when you start to build transaction platforms for b2b there are multiple verticals i mean you could be doing manufacturing like what we do we do manufacturing infrastructure and become one stop solution for those you could be doing for fmcg you could be doing for electronics so on so forth so um and that's where the multiple companies emerge or or one of the companies which i know the, the founder is a good friend he does it for sort of fruits and vegetables right i mean so uh, uh so i would say that uh, it is pretty much about what is the customer and a supply segment you want to go after in a transaction oriented system and uh, that's where uh, uh we have focused very closely on manufacturing and infrastructure and many of the peer set has focused on other verticals and then there are few which has focused i mean the names like industry buying and others that you mentioned they have kind of positioned themselves to work in similar sectors for us but um, far smaller in size and comparison so and and anyways all of us are still kind of changing the behavior from offline to online so uh, the real competition still lies there not with any of these peer sets in our mind mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. okay okay so uh, just to uh, like you know give an idea of uh, how the uh, unit economics or uh, you know what is the business model of b2b e-commerce like you know like what is the kind of margin that you make what what is like uh, you know compared to b2c like what is the returns that happen on stuff like that like you know could you like illustrate that a bit so i mean some of those data points are pretty confidential but i think uh, hmm. what i am able to speak to like broad uh, industry level if you want to share or you know just just so that people understand how is it different from b2c e-commerce and uh, or even how is it different from offline uh, people who do this offline So I think one obviously if you are a transaction oriented platforms you will be primarily monetizing based on transaction fees uh, uh whatever that looks like uh I would say there are a couple of differences in B2B versus B2C one it is typically not a impulse buy so it is it can be still single decision maker multi decision maker so there is a process method to madness there are elements under which a business can buy versus a, what a consumer buys and is accountable towards um and uh, uh therefore i would also think that it is not a market where you can drive more demand based on pricing alone as a lever i mean i'm not going to buy for my factory more fasteners because they are cheaper right but i could buy maybe more clothes because they are cheaper <laughs> right so <laughs> uh maybe more shoes if they are cheaper right so um uh so discounting doesn't win your customers basically it doesn't win the consumption it can win the customer but it doesn't win the consumption so if if yeah i mean discounting see everywhere free free food is good so if you go and say that i'm going to give everything cheaper probably more customers for the same requirement they had uh, might shift from offline to buying from your platform so that behavior you can never sort of uh, because that that just makes logical sense but whether that will drive consumption the answer is no and i have actually always wondered i mean for many of the consumer startups i think uh, maybe somewhat uh, it's a ecosystem disservice by vcs uh to make them fight on uh, trying to drive the demand consumption at a pace higher than what a market can support and i always use this example that i am never used to going to a restaurant and asking for discounts 
or even if i am like let's say some club member or some card gives me 5% discount i would never walk into a restaurant and ask for a discount so why should an online behavior really be about trying to artificially sort of induce that change that you sit at home and uh, uh, instead of cooking i want you to get cheaper food which which is not something the restaurant is able to offer but i'm going to sort of like artificially induce that demand i will do i mean yeah it it shortens your life cycle of building a company but are you building a company for 3 years or are you building the company for 20 years i think it just completely changes the dynamics of how you think about company building and those are things you can't take away once you are on that kind of a race then you can't get away from it so, that's like a race to the bottom yeah it's a race to the bottom it's clear i mean it's okay let me put it it's a race to a monopoly so many of the western models work on this principle of race to monopoly by discounting and market share and then basically jack up the prices i mean amazon basically drove many of its competitors out including diapers.com and few other companies purely by discounting and creating a monopoly and then jacking up prices now india i think fundamentally we hate monopolies i mean as a while we are a dev, i mean us is more capitalist than democracy probably india is more democracy than capitalist i mean we hate typically people who are pure capitalist right so uh, uh, so i think we will struggle as a market if it was a one player game as a consumers and uh, and we have so much entrepreneur blood in uh, the country that uh, if there was one player left then there will be somebody second who will come so i think uh, uh, in that spirit i would say that uh, this race to the bottom and when you have quite a lot of capital as it is available today for the entrepreneurship in the country this is going to be a long haul and i think uh, that typical venture models of uh, discounting building getting the market ahead of itself i mean we have to get the gdp per capita up in the country that will automatically mean there will be more demand and it will take us 5 years to get there <laughs> to build a five trillion economy uh, when this consumption patterns will become very different when uh, we can build independently profitable companies like what china is able to do or us is able to do now you can earn all your money in two years and then sort of still wonder whether the company is going to sustain itself or just make sure that you have a more sustained i'm not saying that you don't have to burn capital but you more sustained way of building a company over a five year horizon uh, because of just where we are as gdp per capita and uh, our ability to afford and various other things so uh, but like you know in uh, b2b e-commerce do you see the same kind of return ratio and do you also offer credit on your own like how, how are those things different so first i mean the return rates are typically smaller because as i said it's a bit more serious kind of thought process on buying and things like that i mean and we put more processes and check also because our supply ecosystem will also not be geared up for high returns and we have to remember that the offline world both in b2c and in b2b is not used to returns even offline i mean you go to many of the malls still i mean they struggle with doing returns in offline world in a consumer setup so i think um, you have to emulate far closer to what a offline world looks like and the principle still bringing customer convenience so yeah so there's much better in terms of uh, some of those elements and you have to build the processes and systems around it otherwise you can't succeed um, as a company and, and sorry go ahead like Uh, what about the pricing in terms of like financing like payment options yeah so we have to sort of respect the fact that many of the online customers are being trained to offer all the payment gateways and wallets and cash on delivery kind of ecosystem but many of the large enterprises are more used to payment terms which can be 30 day credit or 60 day credit kind of payment terms so uh, depending on the customer segment and the channel that you are addressing you will evolve your payment uh, 
mechanisms in that manner. So you are a marketplace, right? So if a customer is paying after 30 days, then you have like a similar arrangement with the supplier for it? Or like, how does that work? Yeah, the supplier ecosystem is also trained to work as per the ecosystem, right? So so you would need to make sure that your commercials uh, are also set up in that direction. And it's possible. I mean, it's it's trained behavior after a period of time because when you are early as a marketplace, uh, people's perception of you as a brand to offer credit is very different versus as you become a stronger brand and things like that. I mean, so I would say it's like offline behavior and offline credit worthiness that you are trying to bring through a technology uh, into the online world. Like you would do some sort of KYC when you onboard a customer yeah, yeah, absolutely. To, to decide uh, yeah, yeah. credit. Okay, yeah. okay, okay. You'll yeah. have to have those Got means it. because, yeah, the judicial system in the country is fairly broken. So, mm-hmm. so it's pretty much you are on your own if you give credit to anyone. Right, right, okay. So, uh, like, uh, typically, uh, do you in price uh are comparable to offline or are you cheaper or are you costlier because offline might have better um cost structure you know because they would not be so focused on the customer experience and offline logistics is like a very old industry so are you like price wise comparable do do people buy from moglex for a better experience or for better price so we are able to offer price match and with better experience. I mean, that's our going in proposition. And then we are able to create total cost optimization, which is what we look at it as the way for the end customer. Uh, when he's starting to look at the time he takes to discover a product, buy a product, getting the consistency of payment term, uh, looking at ability uh, uh, to uh sort of optimize uh for his inventory levels and plant operation things like that um uh, so, just help me understand this better like what what do you mean by helping them in the optimization like in terms of the timing of the delivery like they can have predictable deliveries or like what does this mean no, so we are able to, I mean, like the large enterprises today, we work with companies which are 10,000 CR turnover, so on and so forth. Many of them struggle with how do they plan inventory? How do they order process? Uh, how do they discover alternates for a product? Things like that. So we are able to go very, very deep into many of these organizations and work with them on optimization at a very different level. Um, and... Uh, and I think that's that's the beauty for us, uh, that we are truly in that sense a partner for a manufacturing organization, uh, which is uh, very much powering uh, the entire procurement uh, and supply chain becoming efficient, both uh, on the total cost optimization basis, as well as in terms of the customer experience we can deliver to them. Mm-hmm. So you're like a procurement agency partner for them in a way, helping them find lower cost alternatives. And and, and making sure you deliver end-to-end experience because you're not just then again delegating the experience delivery to someone else. You are sort of owning the entire end-to-end experience being delivered to them. Mm-hmm. And invoicing would also be simpler. Like Correct. for multiple products, they have this one entity who sends them an invoice and and the integration with their ERP. So uh, so this is for large enterprises. What about smaller companies? Like, do you, are they an active segment for you? And how do you add value to them? See, our value proposition fits across all customer segments. And I think many of them come online and buy from us using moblex.com and we deliver to them. And we continue to sort of bring many of these SMEs online. Um, it's a it's a tr- difficult problem to solve uh, the transformation for SMEs, and uh, I think many consulting companies have struggled with that as well because the effort it takes to transform the large organization might be the same as transforming a small organization. <laughs> the ROI of the effort cannot be justified. So 
So we are doing various scalable things now because we think and we are trying to touch as many MSMEs in the country. I think we need more and more scalable ways in which we can transform and get the benefits of working with Moglex out to every single MSME in the country. What are some of the things you're doing to help uh, MSMEs go digital? I mean, some of the things we are doing on our end is uh, definitely we are spending time and energy on education because uh, uh, education is a starting point. So we have now started to do, I would say, a lot more outreach, even using the mainstream media. So we just launched our uh, first kind of a video explanatory and and how people can start to buy from us and use us to get their industrial products and things like that. So I think um, education, I believe, is uh, one of the starting points because you have to create, we have to make them aware that they have better alternatives. And then we are able to enable them on um, uh, coming online and uh, creating an entire digital experience of buying and being able to manage all of their supplies even if they don't have erp systems and things like that so so there are initiatives in that direction uh, having said that i think there is much more that can be done it's just a um, and we have been sort of speaking to some of the government partners of what we can do more um, unfortunately where india is there are a lot of msmes but uh, firstly their own appetite to go digital is low and therefore it takes more time and effort to educate them and second i think there are no structural means in which you can do outreach to uh, all of them and um, uh, kind of drive a faster movement towards digital hmm. Hmm. okay and typically what is like the uh, the the margin that you have like a broad range like you know is it like 10 to 20 percent or like you know what 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 does that look like so we don't have a public number for it, uh, unfortunately. Uh, uh, and uh, uh, I think it's still so much work in progress because we are a uh, pretty small piece of where, where the industry is that we don't necessarily focus on it as much yet. I think the first objective is to kind of move the behavior um, towards getting a digital procurement systems and that buying behavior change. Hmm. Okay. In terms of a geographical presence, what are the markets that you're strong in? Like, you know, uh, like say Faridabad is an industrial hub and there would be a lot of such regional hubs. And so, you know, where do you have like concentration of customers? We are present now actually across Pan-India. We're present across North, South, East, West. We're present in more than 25 locations across the country. So um, we are starting to be the index of where is the manufacturing in the country. Um, so I don't think there is any limitation per se from us now in terms of our geo reach or strength per se uh, 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 in terms of where uh, we would be stronger or weaker or any of that dimension hmm. okay okay so how was the covid and the lockdown experience for moglex like it would have shut down manufacturing to a large extent and i i imagine that would have hit you also quite a bit uh so i think covid was an interesting sort of uh, obviously unprecedented experience for all of us uh and given we are a commerce company, we had our supply chain warehouses running all through the COVID. We were doing PP supplies. Uh, we were supplying to governments. We were supplying to many of the industries, so on and so forth. So I think it was a sort of a, um, the first quarter, I would say, was pretty chaotic because uh, manufacturing plants were shut down or some of them were partially operating because... Our FMCG pharma customers were operating and some of the process plants were operating, but then others were shut down. And you had this entire chaos between, I think, April to June, uh, which was like learning by the day and also 
while you're learning for the customers but then the, your supply ecosystem your own team members so i think you're all kind of learning about it but i think what has happened post covid i think uh, and i mean technically we are not post covid but i think post the peak of covid uh, is that there is a strong movement from offline to online uh, we think it has probably gained one year short circuit of uh, uh, shift in behavior for people and i think that's that's fantastic for us as a organization is that because people don't want to go out and meet vendors so they prefer to order from home like i mean that is one effect but i think also uh, it has also enabled them to challenge some of the stereotypes that did i really need to go out <laughs> because many of those were habits so it was not necessarily the requirement it was more like a habit so i think people have challenged themselves and i think that has enabled them to start thinking that uh, i don't need to actually go out particularly if i'm working with a organized player and i know many of the things are being taken care of right so um, probably they would still hesitate to work with an organized player if they have not met in person but if they are working with a company like ours it, it's far more easier uh, to work um, uh, with us and uh, uh, versus uh the smaller players in the ecosystem uh so i think that's that's definitely one of the shift it, it has happened probably across all, the entire gamut of e-commerce uh companies not just for us have you bounced back like uh, there, there must have been a dip in your monthly run rate uh, during the first quarter yeah so we bounced back quickly because i think for some reason i think india pretty much by september october most of the manufacturing started to come at the 100% of uh, their level so uh, so we were able to bounce back pretty quickly um, as a organization and uh, uh, since then we have been on growth spree so uh, been going growing rapidly as a organization mm-hmm. okay so what's going to be your focus for the next couple of years like what do you want to invest heavily in to build either a capability or a technology or whatever like so we believe we are on a journey of building the de facto uh, supply chain for b2b commerce industry in india and also enabling uh, cross border transactions from india to the world and i think uh, that is where we are continuing to pursue it and uh, we recently launched our middle east center so we are pretty bullish on expanding now in across the world because we think the value proposition that we have built the technology capabilities that we have built is applicable in multiple parts of the world so we will go pretty aggressive internationally also mm-hmm. okay so this would be like the focus would be to help indian suppliers to sell abroad or to help indian uh, like indian companies to buy from uh, abroad I mean it's a, it's never a one way street I would say it's a combination of both because if there are products which are not being uh, available in India and you need to buy from other countries and bring it to India we we would do that but then yes we are uh, uh, definitely uh, continuing to expand our horizon of selling indian products in uh, other parts of the world as well Mm-hmm. Uh, does china have significant players in uh, the transaction side like alibaba is again discovery only right alibaba is discovery there are a uh, couple of players who have become fairly large now in china as well so there are two some of them started with us uh, at the similar point in time but given manufacturing is fairly large in china they they now also they are now pretty large so so jd has a product zkh has products both of them are billion dollar plus companies now in china mm-hmm. okay okay and uh, what is your plan to fund the growth are you eventually looking at uh, an ipo or like you know w- w- what do you see as that journey so we think uh, there is private capital and there is public markets i think um, um, today is still where we are probably for next couple of years we would be best uh, funded by private capital um, and i think in the next 3 to 4 years 
is when it would make sense to kind of move towards public markets. Um, also, I think uh, given we are building global company, I think you need to be above a certain size and scale before you can become a public company um, in many of the large stock exchanges. So that was Rahul telling us the secret sauce behind the success of Moklix. And if you'd like to know more about Moklix, then check out moklix.com. You like the Founder Thesis podcast? Then do check out our other shows on subjects like marketing, technology, career advice, books, and drama. Visit thepodium.in. That is t h e p o d i u n dot i n for a complete list of all our shows.